Well, this morning's reading is from uh, Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Now, some of you might be uh, looking that up. It's, um, this has always been a very challenging um, passage for me, and particularly I was reminded when reading this passage this morning, um, I've just recently uh, arrived back this week from Indonesia, and I was working with a crew uh, over there last week, in rather extreme conditions and after a particularly long day and as the sun was setting uh, I turned to one of the young guys and I said you must be looking forward to having a sleep because I was apart from uh, showering all the black dust off myself and he looked at me and he said no security and what he was committed to do was to take watch overnight of the materials that we had left on the site which was probably worth more than a lifetime salary for this young guy And I thought, good grief, he's worked all day and he was doing that all week, watching night. So here we are, Matthew 26, 36 to 46. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Thank you, Martin. Well, over the last... Two weeks we've been talking about this journey with Jesus, walking with Jesus as such. And we've been looking at just the little words that Jesus says to his disciples to to get them to move along with him as such. And in the first week, we heard him say, come and follow. Come and follow. And he he saw uh, the disciples that were with him, the, the, the people, they dropped their nets and they just went. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. Then last week, he, he asked his disciples around the table, um, take and eat. And that journey of, uh, not that they understood it fully, but the journey of, of taking up that bread and, and communing with Jesus was a big one for them. And they took and ate. They went on this journey. And now we move into this next stage of Jesus', um, I suppose, his time of, of pain now, his time of hurt, his time of anguish. And he asked them to watch and pray. It reminded me of the, uh, the old joke. What do you say if you're caught sleeping at your desk? Amen. 
I, uh, I had a, I had a, a confession. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. I had a, a confession time. Um, it's confession time now. Uh, I was leading the youth group at Heathmont. I had this interim sort of time. Mark Purse had just left, and I came in as a youth pastor. And we used to do these wonderful prayer mornings uh, for the kids, for youth from year seven sort of up to young adults, and they'd come at seven o'clock every Friday morning. Uh, there'd be 20 plus youth uh, praying from seven till eight. They'd come when they could. They'd leave when they needed to get to school or whatever. Parents would drop them off, uh, and it was fantastic. It really was great. But it was 7 a.m., so it was pretty early. And I must have had a late night one of these nights um, before because I got to, got to the prayer time, and I'd set it all up, and the kids started coming in, and it was really great. But, but all of a sudden, I remember it going quite quiet. And I'm thinking, oh, what's going on? And, um, and I sort of didn't sort of hear much praying happening or anything like that. And I sort of... Sort of had to jolt, because what I'd done is actually I'd fallen asleep during prayer. I, so these, these poor kids have been praying, and I'm sitting there, just, I must have been in some sort of prayer-like position, I sort of opened my eyes, and there's like five kids left in this, uh, in this space, and I'm like, oh no, and so I sort of casually said, and we thank you, Lord, amen. Uh, and the, <laughs> no one came to me and said, Pete, you fell asleep during prayer, but uh, there might be um, some people here that had kids in that stage, I don't know. So, I don't know, no one ever said anything to me, maybe it wasn't. But, um, but from our reading today, I sort of feel a little bit justified. If, it was, if the disciples had fallen asleep, then one time I fell asleep, that was not so bad. Maybe they should have uh, come to, in the, in the garden there, maybe they should have just gone, amen, to Jesus as well. But truth be told, Jesus' command to his disciples to watch and pray in the garden, it, it shouldn't actually have been that difficult. For them. It shouldn't have been a difficult ask. Yet, I think we all find that the command to watch and pray is actually harder than it just sounds. It's actually not as easy as it sounds. If I ask the question, do you think you pray enough? Most of us would answer, I could probably pray more. Because we know that prayer is important. We know it. We understand that prayer is important. Sure, we could all pray more. So as, this, as we think about and as we probably relate to the disciples in this story, in the final moments of Jesus' life, we find Jesus giving us a command, watch and pray. How are we going to do that? How are we going to watch and pray? So we're going to look at what it means to watch and pray and look at two reasons why we need to do just that. So let's pray. And we'll start looking into the scripture. Loving God, we pray that this morning that we'll be alert to you speaking to us. That we'll be attentive not just to your word but to your spirit moving. That we will be able to, especially in this week leading up to your death and resurrection, that we'll be able to know you more, understand you deeper, and hear from you. Amen. Now, for the most of Jesus' life, as we read through Scripture, we find Jesus as this compassionate, some powerful, this loving, this wise man. We don't often hear of Jesus struggling with sorrow. We hear about it through his tears as he weeps for his deep friend, Lazarus, and we hear that he was deeply moved and troubled in this Scripture, uh, in that Scripture, John 11. But here we find Jesus struggling with sorrow as well. In, in Matthew 26, verse 37, it says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
He was sorrowful and troubled. So Peter, James, and John, they were the the three inner circle of Jesus, I suppose. We met them in the first week, two weeks ago, when we saw them called by God off their fishing boat. These were the the three that were chosen by Jesus to come to see the transfiguration when he was up on the mountain. And they're the ones that came into the room with Jesus at the raising of Jairus' daughter. These were three that were close to Jesus. It would seem that they were his inner circle of trusted confidants and friends. So it's no coincidence that in Jesus' greatest time of need, his greatest trial, I suppose, he takes his closest, most trusted people. The ones that he's trusted the biggest parts of his ministry to, and he brought them to the garden. Jesus didn't ask Peter, James, and John for a, a stack loader of advice or a few words of encouragement. Jesus just wanted his friends there. He just wanted them to watch and pray. Perhaps we can learn a little bit about pastoral care from this. We don't need to come alongside people all the time in their time of sorrow and trouble to give them the answer. We're not to be the advice bank, uh, dishing out advice that has been deposited into us over time. Sometimes that's necessary but rather Jesus asked the disciples, watch and pray. And perhaps that's some good advice for us as we care for people. He says to them initially, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's a, a, a pretty deep sorrow. It's a pretty intense word. I wonder if someone said, hey, can you just... Just wait over there and just, just keep watch. Just pray because I'm having a real struggle to the point of death. You're thinking, I want to I make sure this person is, is covered in prayer. I want to make sure that they're okay. Says, so keep watch with me. Jesus doesn't initially say watch and pray. He just says, keep watch. Keep watch. What does that mean? What does he really want them to do? Just to, just to stay there and sort of look out for him, maybe? He knows he's going to be betrayed, so is Jesus asking them to be bodyguards, sort of standing there as the bouncers so that no one comes along? Maybe. But maybe if that was the case, he might have taken all of the disciples. Was Jesus just telling him to stay with him? Keep watch? Does he just need the company? Well, Jesus removes himself then and actually moves away to pray, so maybe not. So why is he asking them, keep watch? What is he telling them to do? Perhaps Jesus is seeking something more than just them having open eyes. Because I think Jesus is asking them for an alertness to the presence of God in that situation. Jesus is asking them to be attentive to God in the time of Jesus' greatest need. I think Jesus was seeking his friends to be his greatest prayer advocates, interceding with Jesus. Because in this passage, we hear the same thing three times. First, he says, keep watch. Then in in Matthew 26, 40, he says, you couldn't keep watch with me just for one hour? And then he goes again and he says, keep watching and praying. The same verb, to watch. When you hear the same thing being said three times, we need to take note of it. We need to take notice of it. This verb is important. Watch. Keep watch. 
Watch and pray. I think Jesus is giving us some insight to the disposition we should be taking when we pray. Be alert in prayer. Be ready in prayer. Be prepared to hear from God when you pray. Be expectant. Expect God to do something when you pray. I used to coach Jasper's basketball team uh, when he was just young. He started basketball when he was real young. He was um, only sort of five or six. And I used to coach the under-eights team. And um, it was a a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of frustration all at once because um, you could get onto the court in the the team that we had, the under-eights here. The coach was allowed to be on the court. And so it was constantly sort of shepherding and herding these kids into the right positions on the court. But I always say to them, you've got to keep alert. You've got to be attentive. Otherwise, if you're not, you might get a ball in the head. Because often I'd find the kids with their hands down their pants or their hands in their shirt and everything. And, and so all of a sudden, the ball would come to them and they're sort of stuck like this. And, and the ball's not, they're not going to be able to catch. They weren't able to keep alert. They didn't keep watch. If you keep watch, if you don't keep watch, you're going to miss out what's coming towards you. So in prayer, keep watch. Be expectant. And we can get a better info, insight for us when, um, when we see Jesus come back to the disciples. And he addresses them and says, keep watching and praying. Keep being alert in prayer. That you, and he says this, why do we need to keep alert in prayer? He says, so that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watch that you may not enter into temptation. So our first reason for watching and praying is um, because alertness in prayer keeps us from falling into temptation. Alertness in prayer keeps us from falling into temptation. You know, keeping a disposition towards prayer, one of uh, attentiveness, of alertness, it, it alleviates this idea of temptation. Any temptation that, that might be coming at you, you're aware of it. You're prepared for it because you're watching in prayer. It may mean that you won't be tempted to gossip when you see the opportunity to, or it may mean that you, you won't actually tell the lie. You'll, you'll, you'll speak up for the truth when it would be easy just to cover over something with a little lie. It means that you won't be tempted to take a, a dicey decision at work that compromises your faith. You see, alertness or attentiveness in prayer means that we actually are making decisions that are based upon what God is calling us, to, who God is calling us to be. And alertness or attentiveness in prayer can also mean that it means we have a continual attitude of prayer. And we sure, we've looked at that in Colossians a little bit. We don't stop praying. Rather, our, our hearts start to beat in tune with God's heartbeat as we continually seek God in everyday actions. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, the end of that statement rings true, doesn't it? I know, in, in, uh, I know that the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, and I know that in prayer, it will lead me away from temptation. I know that. But there's just times where it's just tough, and I miss it. I don't get it. I don't get there, and I make a mess of things. But there's a reason to watch and pray, because the benefits far outweigh the costs. Because through watching and praying, I receive grace to avoid temptation and to maintain this, this walk with Jesus that, that goes throughout the day. 
It has this flow-on effect. Pray attentively, resist temptation, become closer to God. It's pretty simple. Pray attentively, resist temptation, get closer to God. There was a musician, I think he might still be around, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Anyone heard of Stephen Curtis Chapman? Um, 20 years ago, I was listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman, and um, I loved this song. It was when I was a young Christian. He uh, wrote a song called Let Us Pray, a really great song. And it says this uh, in, in, the, in the lyrics. And just because we say the word amen, it doesn't mean the conversation needs to end. Let us pray, let us pray, everywhere, in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. Let us pray without end, and when we finish, start again, like breathing out and breathing in, let us pray. See, prayer is continual. It can be continual. Prayer that is attentive prayer is constant prayer. Our lifestyle becomes prayerful. We have an attitude of prayer, a breathing out, breathing in type prayer. When we move from place to place, we're seeking God in prayer. We're asking God for direction. We're thanking God for provision. We're exhorting God to speak into situations. And we're stopping to listen to God as well in response. It doesn't stop. Prayer doesn't stop. You know, there's times where prayer is more specific and we come with a group of people when we sit and pray. There are times where we, we stop and we pray uh, that, uh, that we sort of um, impact our lives and that sort of thing. But our very disposition, that can actually be set to prayer. Paul tells us in 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually, like breathing out and breathing in. Let us pray. That's attentive prayer. Jesus, in his time of temptation, showed us exactly what attentive prayer looks like. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was in the wilderness and he was fasting. And we can assume that, that he's praying, he's seeking uh, his father's uh, will for his life as he starts ministry. After 40 days, Jesus is hungry, understandably. And in Matthew 4, verse 3, it says, The tempter comes and says to him, If you are the, if you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, after 40 days of no food, that sounds like a, a pretty good proposition, doesn't it? Nothing better than the smell of a fresh loaf of bread. Yet Jesus, who had just been in with his father for the past 40 days, Jesus knew that this wasn't uh, something that was for him. He knew that the tempter was just trying to trip him up. And Jesus uses the scripture through his prayers, to counter the tempter's advice. Three times he does this. It would have been easy for Jesus to go, well, I'll just grab these loaves of bread because I can, I can do that and enjoy a meal. But Jesus' attentiveness to his father meant that temptation was not going to cause him to stumble. So Jesus in the garden comes back to the disciples after this first time and he gives them this warning, stay awake, be alert. And it's what Jesus asks us to do as well. It's a warning that he gives us. Stay awake, be alert. Because prayer isn't always easy, is it? I wonder if you ever get distracted in prayer. I'm sure that there's many of us that don't get distracted in prayer. I do. It might be the smallest things, and all of a sudden your mind started to wander in prayer. I don't know if you have that. It might be just a, a bird outside and all of a sudden you, you're thinking about what's going on outside. I heard, I heard um, someone say at one stage that when you are distracted in prayer, add that into your prayer. 
So if you get sort of mind wandered about something, just add that to your prayer. And if, if something goes somewhere else, add that to your prayers. It's not a bad way of doing it. There was a conversation between two pastors, and one of the pastors was lamenting how difficult it was to pray. He went on to assert that he doubted whether anyone could pray the Lord's Prayer without allowing their mind to wander. The other pastor sort of disagreed. He said, of course not, I could do that. And he said, the first pastor said, okay, I'll bet you a horse that you can pray, you can't pray through the Lord's Prayer without your mind wandering. Now, I'm going to trust that you're going to be honest about this, but you, you go for it and do it, and I'll give you a horse if, uh, if you get through. The other pastor began to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he stopped. The first pastor said, Well, why are you stopping now? What's the, what's the go? He said, You're right, I couldn't do it. When I got to hallowed be thy name, I began wondering if you're going to throw a saddle in as well. <laughs> it's hard to maintain a disposition of alertness all the time, isn't it? But it's so important. We heard when we did our series on Colossians, uh, Paul exhorting the, the, the group to, to devote themselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. you find that in Colossians 4 verse 2. The NRSV version says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Being alert in prayer. Paul in Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. He says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, Paul seems to find that prayer and alertness have a connection. That there's a link between prayer and being alert with watching and praying. And I think the reason Paul links these two is because he understands there's something bigger happening when we pray. There's something spiritual happening when we pray. And he wrote about it in chapter 6 of Ephesians, um, just before he wrote those other verses. And he said this. He said, finally, he said, be strong in the Lord and in, in the strength of his mind. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, we've got to be alert in prayer because the battle's spiritual. It's not just what's happening on the ground here, it's what's going on around us. So that's the second reason we've got to be alert in prayer. Because we're all part of a spiritual battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle, a battle which we come across every time we start to pray. Every time we pick up our Bible. Every time we see an opportunity to share our Christian faith with a friend. It's no coincidence when you're, you're not in Scripture that your walk with God suffers. It's no coincidence that when you're not praying, that you're not feeling close to God or you're not developing a, a life of, of being with God. There's a spiritual dimension to what's going on when we pray, regardless of whether we see it or not. And so Paul says you've got to be alert. You've got to be watchful. If we're alert in prayer, we're going to be alert to the temptations that come before us. We're going to be ready to say no when the same temptation creeps in again and again and again. And we're going to be prepared for the spiritual battles that are going on around us. National Geographic ran an article about the Alaskan, Alaskan bull moose. 
And the males of the species, they battle for dominance during the, um, the, the breeding season. And they literally, they, they, they sort of run at each other with these massive antlers and they just go bang into each other. Like, pretty crazy way of doing things. But the antlers, are, they're, they're, they're huge antlers. And what happens is they run to, towards each other and when they crash into each other, the strongest antlers will stay strong and then the one with the weaker antlers will start, their, their antlers will snap. So, so the ones whose antlers are broken, that's their weapon, I suppose, they're the ones that will concede defeat and they'll sort of wander off. Only the, sort of the toughest moose, the heftiest moose, moose is with the strongest antlers. They're the ones that triumph. Therefore, when, when the, the battle is, is, is won, that moose gets the, um, the, to be the, the dominant one, I suppose. But the battle's not just won at that moment, is it? It's one when the, the mooses, the mice, moose, mouses, I don't know how you say moose in a plural, I wouldn't have a clue. When these animals, that's better, uh, when these animals are, are feeding uh, months and months and months before, as they grow, as they develop, they eat the right food, they develop in a different way, they've got, um, they, they make sure that they're, they're, they're getting what they need, so the best diet to grow the best antlers, to gain weight, to become, I suppose, the heavyweight moose. Those that don't eat as well or don't find the right food, they have weaker antlers and therefore less bulk. So there's a lesson for us in the, in the story about the moose. There is a battle that awaits. Are we preparing ourselves for that? Are we alert to what's going on around us? Are we prepared? Being prepared means being alert in prayer. That when the time comes to defeat the temptations that come our way, it's not this almighty crash of antlers because our antlers are immovable. Jesus, he asks his disciples, watch and pray. It doesn't sound all that hard. Surely we can sit and pray in a while while Jesus goes off and spends time with his father. Yet it happened to these disciples three times. It was tough for them. It can be tough for us as well. But if ever there is a time to watch and pray, to be alert to God, it is now. And what I mean by now is I mean this week. Because it's what we call Easter, but it's this time where Jesus went through his toughest period of life. We see behind us here the, the palm in, the, uh, in front of the cross. And we're reminded that it's Palm Sunday. And so it's reminded on this day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this lowly donkey. And people put their coats in front of them, they waved palm branches as if the king was riding into town. Yet it's only a week later that the towns turned on him. His disciples have turned on him. One of them has betrayed him and he's handed over to be crucified. Palm Sunday is the time to be alert because it leads us into this week of Passion Week. May this week not just be another week for you. May this week be a week not just the same old, same old going through the motions because in our busy lives it can do that, can't it? But sometimes, if we're not alert through this week, we miss the, the heaviness of Jesus' death on the cross. 
We miss the, the, the heaviness, the, the reality of the sin that he took on the cross for you and for, my, for me. We miss the celebration of the risen Christ that brings us life. So this week, be attentive in prayer. Be attentive to God's spirit. Be attentive to the word of God and pray. Pray that the moments won't pass you by, but rather that you'll be renewed through this week, that your faith will be furthered through the Easter weekend. Watch and pray. Keep watching. Keep praying. Be attentive to the work of God in your life. Let's pray. Our loving God, we, we thank you that we have this story in Scripture that helps us to realise that, Lord, you want us to be attentive to who you are. We want to, you want us to be attentive to your spirit leading us. You want us to keep watch and not fall asleep. Help us this week as we move into this Passion Week. Help us to be so engrossed in your word and attentive to your spirit that we don't let the busyness of our week Uh, cloud the importance of this week. May we move into this week knowing that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are guiding us and helping us to live out an everyday life of prayer. We thank you, Lord. Amen.